this, uh, we're talking about the I am's of Jesus. This morning we're talking about I am the light of the world. And I want to put up this uh, one slide. We said this a couple weeks ago, and it says, What you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. So whatever it is, your theology, your thoughts about Jesus, it'll determine how you relate to him. If you only think that Jesus is a good teacher, then you will relate to him like a teacher, or you'll relate to him as in the same concept of a teacher. Like, that was really nice, that was really cool, but I don't care about math. Okay, there's some people who think that way, right? Oh, what's math for anyway? And then there's some people who actually majored in math and got masters in math, and like they love those kind of teachers, right? So whatever you believe about Jesus, it will determine how you relate to him. If you believe he was just another prophet in the long line of prophets of people in the in the ancient times, then that's how you're going to believe. Like what he said was kind of cool, but you know, whatever, it was 2,000 years ago, it's not relevant for me today, right? Well, that's not how we believe about Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Savior the world. He's God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the light of the world, as we have been talking about. And this morning, we're going to talk about how he is specifically the light of the world. One of the things we talk about this is our statement at City of God is fully formed disciples on mission. Okay, that's kind of our mission statement. If you can sum up what kind of church we see, it's, it's fully formed disciples on mission. And so what this is, what you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. This is the idea of being fully formed. Is your relationship with Jesus increasing or decreasing or staying the same? Now, I know that there are some times when it just stays the same. Okay, you're, you're a Christian, you love God, but just kind of not moving anywhere. It's not like you're not reading your Bible, or not going to church. It just kind of is what it is, okay? That's okay. I think you shouldn't stay there for too long, but we want to be people who are being fully formed. Now, what do you mean by fully formed, Casey? I'm glad you asked. Thank you very much. Fully formed is finding abundant life in Jesus. Now, I don't think there's anybody here who would say, I don't want abundant life. And if you are, you can yell boo at this point. Okay, nobody. Okay, great. So everybody, there's a consensus in the room, even here this morning, that we want to find abundance, right? We want to be blessed. We want to walk in abundance. Nobody here says, man, I really want to be poor. I don't want to have a house. I don't want to have a car. I want to have to walk everywhere barefooted with raggedy clothes. Nobody would probably ever say that. There's some people who would say that, but the rest of us would be, no, I want to be blessed. I want to have enough finances to be able to do what I'd like to do. I'd even like to have some to give away, to send shoe boxes, or just help a friend out out or buy a coffee for a buddy or whatever it is, right? We all want to have a measure of abundance. Now, don't don't, mis, don't under, misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying everyone's going to be a millionaire. Now, we believe there's going to be millionaires at City of God, amen, but hey, not everyone will be there, and that's okay. We're just talking about having an abundance to be able to do what you feel God has called you to do and be able to share it with somebody else. Amen. So we want to be in this realm of being fully formed. Now, it's not just finances that we're talking about having abundance in, because sometimes we think, man, I only need abundance in my finances. It's abundance in our relationships, right? Abundance in our relationships with family, with coworkers, with friends, with neighbors, and abundance in health. Amen. Right. And abundance in energy and joy and all the things that God, what about an abundance of peace, right? We want to have an abundance in every area of our life. And as we become fully formed, this is our goal is to have an abundance. And that's what this statement here this morning is saying. What you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. If you believe that he is a healer and the healer, then you'll begin to relate to him as the healer. If you believe he's a good, good father, then you relate to him as a good father. If you believe he's the provider, then you will begin to relate to him as the provider. Amen. 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 So what you believe about him will determine how you relate 
to him. And as you listen to these messages, I want to encourage you, begin to allow your faith to grow in areas about Jesus that you maybe not have thought about. We don't immediately think of Jesus as the light of the world, per se. You know what I mean? I don't think of like, oh man, I worship Jesus, the light of the world. It's just, I just worship Jesus, or I'm a Christian, or whatever. So as we're looking at, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection life, I am the door, I am all these things that Jesus is saying, allow yourself to get a new perspective on who God is. Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to read all of John chapter 9. And uh, I know that's 41 verses. I know some of you that's like the month-long reading of the verses or whatever, but we're just going to read the whole thing because it's awesome, and I don't want to leave anything out. So here we go. It's going to be on the screen. You can follow along with us. John chapter 9, verse 1 says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus responds, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with a saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. Okay, they're brilliant, right? But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know. He replied. This is just riveting conversation here, isn't it? Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Right? This really in-depth story there. Great testimony. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could any ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Again, here it is, right? What you believe about Jesus will determine how you relate to him. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had healed, who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? Right? What is you, what do you believe about this guy, Jesus? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and now could see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Asked him, he's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Okay, again, relevancy in modern times. They don't, people don't want people talking about Jesus. Okay, so they say, look, if you talk about Jesus in here, you're going to have to get kicked out. Okay, that's the way the world is right now, just FYI. It's not as bad as maybe this is, but it's going to be there one day. He moves on. His parents said that, uh, verse 23. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this, because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. 
I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, and this is a great phrase, I was blind, and now I can see, exclamation point, right? But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? That's what makes him mad. Then Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. That's deep right there, right? God hears, and here's the thing is, and we'll get into this more later, but we're all sinners. So wait a minute, doesn't God hear sinners? God hears those who are beginning to turn their faith towards him, and he hears them. Amen. So God hears everyone. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Okay, just great, awesome logic. No one has been able to heal eyes before. Jesus healed my eyes. Jesus must be God. Okay, and then verse 34, one of my favorite lines in all of the Bible. They turn around and say, you were born a total sinner. Is that what it says right there? That's how you read it? Or do you read it? You were born a total sinner. No, they got the exclamation point, people. You were born a total sinner. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus, uh, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I, I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe. And the man, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. God, I thank you as living and sharper and powerful. I thank you, Jesus, today that we're a good soil. Lord, we're going to hear the word, we're going to receive the word, and we are going to do the word. And as a result, we are going to produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. And everybody who believed that shouted, Amen. Amen. So in the past passages that we've looked at about Jesus as the light of the world, he kind of does a pretty typical, uh, I'd say, call it Hollywood style, but it's really Bible style because Jesus invented it all. It's this idea of we're kind of building up to a climax, right? And, and that's kind of the best part of the movies. All these things are kind of going around and like, what are all these things being tossed in here? And then at the last minute, it's like, boom, you know, everything blows up. If it's Superman, you know what I mean? That's like 45 minutes of people throwing each other through buildings because they're invincible and no one can die. This is not that kind of a climax. This is the one where it's like, boom, right at the very top. And it's like, yeah, that's what the whole movie was about this one moment. Well, in this story, it goes backwards, right? Jesus just comes out and says it from the get-go. I'm the light of the world. Oh, okay. Well, great. That's great. You know what I mean? But as we see, again, Jesus is working some things around and he's bringing people to this point of revelation. Jesus is the light of the world. In the other passages we talked about, there was like this whole thing where Jesus is arguing and they're fighting back and forth between the Pharisees and the Pharisees are throwing their best thoughts at Jesus and best words at him and Jesus is like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And then he goes, boom, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And it just totally, they're all like going crazy now because Jesus is, he said, he's saying he's God. And the other one we talked about, uh, I am the bread of life. Jesus is walking and talking. He's showing all these miracles. He's like, Lord, show us a miracle. He's like, I just fed 15,000 people. What kind of a miracle do you need to believe? And he says, I am the bread of life. And then again, here's this moment where there's this building and building and building, a climax. And then Jesus says, I am the something. Well, this one, he just comes along and says, I am the light of the world. 
Now, previously in John chapter 8, there's this other passage where Jesus actually says, I am the light of the world first. And it's this instance where the Pharisees and Sadducees are coming along and Jesus is in the, the temple. They're out in the courtyard in the middle of just out in the streets and they throw this woman who had committed adultery at the feet of Jesus. And they say, this woman just got caught in the act. We need to stone her. Okay, it's a famous story. Jesus bends down in the sand. Okay, he starts writing something down there. And they're all kind of looking at what's going on. They all got rocks in their hands. Jesus stands back up and says, whoever is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Everyone drops their rocks. Everyone leaves, right? He turns to the woman, says, where are your accusers? She's like, sir, I don't have any. He's like, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. And then he turns to the crowd and says, I am the light of the world. The world is dark. There's sin Everyone is a sinner, and yet I am the only one who can provide true light, true revelation, true salvation. Go and sin no more. And this is, this is the God that we serve, the God that we love, and the God we're searching for and, and trying to become more like in every arena of our life. He says, go and sin. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And this is what we always have, light in contrast to darkness, right? Bright and, 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 and dim and all these things. And we live in this world where there's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of things going on that's just like, I don't understand that. And when you shine a light on it, it's like, oh my goodness, that's not a good thing. We've got this garage and somewhere in there, there is a rat in the garage. And whenever you turn the light on, you hear the little feet pitter patter going somewhere. And I mean, I don't really want to take a flashlight and go to every corner because I don't want to see the rat. I just want to believe that he's gone in Jesus name. He left, found a new house, something nicer and better and more, you know, more abundant or whatever. You know what I mean? But he's in there. I know he's in there and I don't want to go and shine the light and be like, oh my gosh, there he is. Because I know he's going to want to jump out and try and scratch my face or something, right? That's what Mises do. They run it, you know, it's like, I don't, I want to get him out, shine the light, get out of there. Well, this is what Jesus is to this world, to our world, is that he comes and he brings the light and shines it. Now there are dark places of our hearts that we don't really want God to shine light on, do we? Right? It's like, oh my goodness, I don't think you want to see that, Jesus. And Jesus is already up there going to say, I already see everything. I don't want to help it. I want to help you get it out of your life. So then we come back to the story here. And Jesus, the disciples come and ask Jesus, why why was this guy born blind? This is always the, the first question that anybody asks about anybody else. Why? Right? Why? What about this one? Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? That's always the one that people wrestle with, and it's some sort of a roadblock to, to getting into salvation as if bad, good thing, bad things can't ever happen to anybody, right? But the, the fact of the matter is, bad things happen to everybody often, right? Some of it is our own fault. Some of it is self-inflicted wounds. You know what I mean? You walk out in the street and get hit by a car. That's what happens when you walk out in a busy street, right? So we make the decision, do not walk out in a busy street, okay? Other times, you're walking on a crosswalk, and then you get hit by a car. Well, that, that is awful. That's a bad thing happening to a good person, right? It's not your fault. It's not their fault necessarily. They came cruising through or whatever. This is the way life is. Sometimes life can come in and sideswipe us when we feel like we're doing the right thing. And the first question we have is, why me? Why did this happen to me, right? Yeah. Here's the reason why. is that Sin has put every single one of us in the realm of disability. That there is no perfection on earth outside of Jesus. 
Like I, I like, I love technology and I love how uh, like Tesla motors, like they're always pushing more technology, self-driving cars. Like that's the dream. If I can just sit in my car and do, you know, studying or whatever, hanging out and the car drives me to my destination, like, yes, sign me up. Okay, it's $40,000. Oh, wait, I will sign up when it gets lower. You know what I mean? When the price of the car comes down a little bit more, then sign me up then, right? So in the meantime, though, we understand that even as great as that system is, and they say it's going to you know, minimize accidents and all this other stuff, there's still imperfection in the car because the car was created by imperfect vessels, right? And so we can get there and say, well, no, no, you don't understand. This is a perfect algorithm, and everything was done into the meticulous, and we got rid of every bug. You can't get rid of every bug. There's going to be some flaw in there somewhere. And so the question isn't about necessarily why it's, it's because because we all exist. That's why. And so this is what happens here is they, they come into this guy and they're saying like, man, what, what is it? why did this guy get born blind? What, what did he do to deserve this? And the reality is nothing. Right? He didn't deserve it just as much as nobody deserves it. But the fact of the matter is, is we have a sin nature working within us. And this is why it's so funny when the Pharisees come to this man and he start, and the man starts giving this testimony about how God healed him. And now I can see I was blind before. And, and then he goes, do you guys want to be his disciple too? Because I think this is really cool. Like I couldn't see, now I can see. Let's be his disciples. And the Pharisees, of course, this is what happens when people reject the message of Jesus. They get to say, no, you understand, you were born the total sinner. No, we all were born total sinners. Like just because you got a robe on and the right hat and the right shoes, that doesn't make you less of a sinner. Right? Nobody can be born innocent in this world. So every single one of us were born, quote unquote, total sinners. We're all in the same boat. That's why we all need to come back to Jesus. That's why we all need to do this. So we all have been living in darkness. We've all been blinded by sin, self-deception, lies, all these other things. We've all been out there, and there's only one who really is the light of the world. How many times do we see Jesus, the Bible, uh, you know, Paul, pastors, whatever, pointing this out that every one of us is fallen, and we are all in desperate need of a savior. That woman who was caught in the, in the act of adultery right in front of the Pharisees is, they're all saying like, look how bad she is. But the fact of the matter is we're all in that same boat. And I mean, I, I kind of talked about this last week of, you know, sometimes we view like there's the big nasties, like things you really shouldn't do. Like these, like everyone even agrees, like these are bad things. You should not. And then there's like the, the little ones, like the little sins. They're like, it's okay. You know, I can lie at work or I can lie about this or I can lie about that. And it's okay. God views them all as breaking his law. And so it doesn't matter if you're engaged in the big nasties or not, quote unquote, big nasties, right? It's Every aspect, every sin, God wants to remove it from us. And you say, well, why is that? Because it damages us. We don't want to be in a place where we're continually being damaged goods. We want to get out of that. And that's why we talk about being fully formed, having the abundant life of Jesus. Get out of the realm of damagedness and get into the realm of getting into abundance and moving forward in this, right? So why don't the problem is why don't people like this doctrine or this understanding is because that we're all sinners and that makes me a sinner. You say you're the pastor. You can't be a sinner. Uh, spoiler alert. I am and have. 
Not today, fortunately. Well, maybe I just did there from pride or something. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like every single one of us falls into this boat. And this is what's so crazy is the Pharisee and the sinner. There's a story that Jesus tells. They come into the temple and the, the, the sinner comes in. And he says, Lord, he gets on his knees. Lord, forgive me. And he's pounding his chest. I'm a total sinner. Lord, help me. If there's anything you can do, show me mercy. And the Pharisee walks in and the Pharisee says, I thank God I'm not like this total sinner over here. Right? And that's kind of the mentality. That is kind of a great picture of how the world can typically view Christians, right? Oh, you're over there feeling like you're so you're so innocent and you're so perfect, and I'm over here, I'm the sinner. When in reality, we're we're also in that boat. We're the ones who should be crying out, "God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I can't see. I'm blind. Open my eyes." And Jesus is ready to do that. It is perfectly okay as a disciple, as a believer, as a Christian to hang in the balance between knowing that we are sinners and we are also total victors. Right? There's this tension. I was talking to this uh, with a coworker of mine the other day. We were out bowling, and he was and he was being serious, and he was talking about how he's like, you know, woke up and was like, man, I say to myself in the mirror, I'm a total loser. I said, no, I think in reality we're kind of in this balance, this tension of, you know, yes, I am a total loser. I'm a total sinner. I've made mistakes and I've failed a bunch, and I probably will fail again. But at the same time, Jesus is over here declaring that I'm a total victor. I'm totally healed. I'm totally blessed. I'm totally favored. And there's this tension. And if you let one go and one becomes too high, then you become like the Pharisee. No, I'm so good. I never sin. I never make a mistake. I'm totally awesome. And you forget about it. And then they overhear that I'm a total loser. I'm no good. I'm a worm. I'm a nomad. I'm a nothing. I'm a loser. You know, we got to hold those two in balance with each other is that I understand I'm not perfect and I need more of Jesus every day. And at the same time, I'm blessed. I'm favored. I'm moving. I'm going forward. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm preaching better than you're amening, just so you know. The first mentality puts us in the place to receive so that we can walk in the second mentality, right? If you understand, this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. He's saying, look, I understand that you can't see. And so what you're trying to see, you can't see that you're on your own guilty. And so he's saying, if you don't understand the first mentality is to humble yourself and to understand that you are also a total sinner, then you're never going to walk in the true mentality of being a total victor. And so he's saying, you guys are blind spiritually. This guy was blind naturally, but he understood that he had a deeper need inside of himself to be able to see. And so he says, this guy's the one who really can see with his physical eyes and with his spiritual eyes. You guys are spiritually blind, even though you can see in the natural. And this is kind of the tension that we're always balancing with is that, man, I, I, I am what God has said I am. And at the same time, I also wake up in the morning and see myself in the mirror and think, man, there's a whole lot of flaws, physical, spiritual, natural, whatever it may be. And yet I continually lean over to the side of being what God has called me to be. We were watching the, 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 this TV show called The Crown on Netflix, and it's about Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, she, her find, she finds out that the king has died, and so now she is now the queen. And she gets this letter from her grandma, and her grandma says, you were Elizabeth, but now you are Queen Elizabeth. And there's going to be this battle between you being Elizabeth and just wanting to live a life, but at the same time, there's this expectation of you now as the queen. And she says, the crown takes precedence over your person. I thought, man, that's good right there. The crown 
always takes precedence over my person, right? The crown, Jesus Christ, living for him, in him, in his life, that always takes precedence over me and the flaws and the mistakes and the things that the crown always takes precedence over our life. And so when push comes to shove and I look in the mirror and I see the flaws, I also have to be able to say, no, today I'm blessed. No, today I'm favored. No, today I'm healed. And God is with me. God is for me. He's not against me. He's with me. Amen. Amen. Then the second question that people always have is we always have the why, why did this happen? What is going on? The second question is the disciples bring up is, was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? first question is why. The second question is about who, as in whose fault is this? Responsibility is a major theme in not just the Bible, but it should be in our own lives. Nobody wants to accept responsibility for their actions, and we are so quick to pass the buck. And I mean, if you ever watch TV in the last, like, let's just say 90 days, you'll see responsibility being passed quicker than money at a concert. You know what I mean? Just, just people just throwing money back and forth. They're passing the buck left and right. It, well, it wasn't me. It was this guy. And it wasn't that person. It was this person. And it wasn't that because of this and this. Everyone is just tossing blame around and trying to get it off themselves as fast as possible. As if, again, and this is the, the blind Pharisee mentality. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I there was no, had nothing to do with me. It did. It did, though. And so they're asking him, well, whose fault is this? Who, who did this? His parents or him or what happened? And Jesus comes along and says, basically, he didn't say in this passage, but he says it over the course of time. Responsibility or maturity is accepting responsibility for your actions. If you want to know what true maturity is, it's not just paying your bills because that is a form of accepting responsibility for your actions. Maturity is accepting responsibility for everything that you've done. So my goal and one of my goals in life is to raise up three mature children to become mature adults who are able to say, you know what? I I took the blows. I made the mistake. I accept responsibility for my actions. Jesus Christ was the most mature person to ever live on earth because he accepted responsibility for everyone's actions, past, present, and future. That's really good. All right. You can... So Jesus is the most mature person ever. We have to move into that maturity, and that's not easy or fun because, like I said, the first mentality is, why did this happen? Because we're all sinners, and we don't, if we don't come to the knowledge and come to the understanding that we, that we are and that we're moving out of that, we're now blessed and favored and saved and all that kind of stuff, then we'll forget about it and we'll try to push responsibility onto somebody else. But we've got to accept responsibility for our actions. And Jesus' response to this is perfect as always. He says, this happened so the power of God might be seen in him. Now, let's take a little theological sidebar here for a moment, because I want to say this. Sickness is never from God. I'll say it again. Sickness, disease, any physical ailment, any, anything like that, none of that is from God. God will never come along and give you cancer to teach you a lesson. Okay, that, that is a lie from the devil. That is straight up his, one of his ace cards. Oh yeah, God did this. Trust me, God made you. Why would God make you sick? We know that the Bible says in Isaiah that Jesus bore stripes on his back so that we could be healed. Now, 
I, I know God pretty well, and I, I'm just saying, if I were God and I had my back ripped open by a whip, you know, what I mean, with, with with shards of glass and bone and ceramic, and it ripped my back open, I would not want people to get sick again, right? Because I did all that so you wouldn't. I took that pain, I bore those stripes on my back so you wouldn't have to be sick. So we know that sickness is not from God. He's not trying to humble you. Okay, we, we should just be humbling ourselves first and foremost. So sickness never comes from God. Amen. Sickness, disability, etc. is all the result from the first thing that came in and intruded on God's plan. And that came from the devil. And that was sin. And from that moment on, sin has now is now wreaking havoc on earth through sickness, through disabilities, through failures, through faults, all of these different things. And Jesus comes along and says, I came to remove all that off of you. Now, while we're here on earth, we may not be perfect. We probably won't be. We have the potential to, but when we get to heaven, we can be up there and we can have perfect, glorified bodies. And I want to just correct something my wife said. She said, I don't like to lift heavy things. Obviously, from this physique, you can tell I'm lifting heavy things all the time. Okay, just for the record, just got to set the record straight. (laughs) Heavy weight. I know you're like, man, is he swole? No, it's just a really small shirt. Okay? And we, we get into the place where sometimes we're like, you know, I don't, I don't feel healed or I don't look healed. I look in the mirror and I see, you know, all these different things that are wrong. And this is where my response to you and to anybody and to whomever is from last week's message, the only work, right, that God wants from us, believe in the one he sent. Okay. And again, that, that, I made it really easy and Jesus made it really easy by putting in that nice little tweetable phrase. The only work I got to do is to believe in the one whom God sent. That's so awesome. Yes. But you know, Monday morning you got to wake up and believe it. You know what I mean? When your body doesn't feel that way. Okay. We got an extra hour of sleep last night, but maybe tonight you stayed up an extra hour longer. So you're back to, you know, back to negative hours of sleep again, right? I got to believe that Jesus is the one. Okay. Whatever you got to do, you got to keep believing, right? Don't stop believing. Read the verses, quote the verses, shout the verses, sing the verses, stand on the verses, do what you have to do to make sure that the only work that God wants for you is that your faith is being built. So whatever it is that you're struggling or fighting with, you got to find the word that God says and begin to believe it. Amen. The last point, and we end on this, Jesus says this, he says, the night is coming and no one can work then. And and this is cool because we see that, man, okay, great. Jesus is a light. He says he's a light. Then the question is, Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So cool. Awesome. Great. Good news. Thanks for that, Jesus. But the question is this, is Jesus here on earth right now? The answer is no. He's up at the right hand of the father. Holy spirit is here on earth with us. Okay. Right. That's okay. Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Which then begs the question, if Jesus is in heaven, who then is the light of the world on earth? Anybody know the answer? Shout it out if you know it. We are the light of the world. You say, how can you say that? Jesus says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. 
You say, man, that was really good. He just to say, you are the light. The says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. While Jesus was here, he was the brightest light. He was the one shining and he leaves and he says, guess what? I'm going to do you all a favor because when I leave, I can send the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus was here on bodily form, he can't be, he can't dwell in everybody. So he says, I'm doing everyone a favor by dying and resurrecting and leaving and going back up to heaven so I can send the helper who can be with everybody at all time. He's the one who helped me be the light of this world. I'm giving him to you to be the light of the world. Amen. Remember that little, there was a children's song growing up, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it was kind of like, it was cute and funny, but when you think about it, it's sort of pathetic. You know what I mean? Like if, if all we were were little candles that could be blown out, then that's not very good light, is it? You know what I mean? I won't let Satan blow it out. Like if Satan can blow the light out, then that's not good. That means Jesus just got blown out of you. Okay, that's not good, right? Jesus is stronger than the devil, FYI. So we want to be the light of the world. And the way we be the light is to be sent out into the world. You say, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I understand. But guess what? Monday morning through Friday afternoon, you are the preacher. All the people that you meet with in life, God is wanting for you to talk and be the light of the world to them. We have a little saying here at church, somebody around you is hurting all the time, all the time. It is your job by the leading of the Holy Spirit to help them to be the light into their life. Like I said, we, we had a little bowling excursion on Thursday with the people I work with. And I was sitting next to that guy and I've been going after that guy. I've been praying for this guy. And, uh, and, and so he just sat there and he started talking. He was opening up and he's very reserved and very quiet. And he has an, like a little bit different office than the rest of us are in. So he's kind of isolated sometimes. And I just was going after him. Just, oh yeah, no, I understand. Listen, you're not a loser. You're, you're cool. Look at you got a business. You work here. You're smart. You know what I mean? And just showing him light. Right? And this is our job, is to be the light of the world. And the only way we can be the light is to have the light. Amen. Let's bow our heads as we close this morning. Jesus takes that, that man who was blind and he puts the mud and, and he sends him. He says, I'm going to send you to the pool of Siloam. And the word Siloam means sent, is that everyone has been sent by God. We have been healed, right? Every single one of us has been blind, spiritually blind. The, the picture here is not necessarily of blindness so much as this. everyone here has a disability. Everyone here has a sin nature. But Jesus says, you once were blind and now you can see. You once were injured and, and, and faulted and, and messed up. But Jesus has come that we can have life and life more abundantly. And that, that is the message of, of this church. That is the message of Jesus. And this morning, if you're here, no one's looking around. Everyone's heads bowed. If you say, "Man, that's me, Casey," I, I, I need Jesus. I want to find you.